0: As far back as
1: 2009, studies had shown that nearly 75% of patients hospitalized for myocardial infarction, commonly known as a heart attack, had at cholesterol levels that would indicate they were not at high risk for a cardiovascular event. And that was based on the current national cholesterol guidelines way back then. Now, in 2017, an article in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology found that 50% of participants in a study that were between 40 to 54 years old and were in ideal health as defined by normal blood pressure and blood sugar has significant arterial plaque buildup despite normal cholesterol levels. Despite this information, the standard of care in most clinical settings to run what we know as the standard lipid panel that is simplified into good and bad cholesterol. So I wanted to bring Dr. Paul Anderson back on the show to help us make this make some sense and discuss how you and your doctor can look beyond the lipid panel to assess your cardiovascular risk and health. Now, Dr. Anderson is coming back to the show. I'm very excited about this. So let me tell you how awesome he is. He is an esteemed educator and clinician in integrative and naturopathic medicine, focusing on complex, infectious, chronic and oncological and oncological illnesses. With over three decades of clinical experience, he founded Advanced Medical Therapies in Seattle, Washington for cancer and chronic diseases and still collaborates with various clinics and hospitals to this day. He's held positions at multiple medical schools, including professor of pharmacology and clinical medicine at Baxter University. He's also authored several books and articles and is actively involved in continuing medical education through online platforms and conferences. And if you are a naturopathic doctor, you have most likely benefited from the board, study guides, and many of uh, platforms and videos that he's put out there so you can basically i always tell some people it's like if i say something blame paul yeah blame <laughs> paul uh, you know you blame him this is uh, you know if i if i drop a curse word in the middle of something just blame <laughs> paul this is how it's, this is how i was taught you know so welcome back to the show thanks so
0: much for having me <laughs>
1: no man this is a pleasure yeah. man it's always a pleasure so so i really want to get into this here because you know, to understand before we get into the deep dive here, we need to understand the basic cholesterol panel, what people are getting, right? So when someone goes to their doctor, you know, whether it be for the first time, they're going to say, yeah, I need you to fast. And I want you to come to these labs, right? And you're going to get a, a lipid panel and they're going to check, you know, some basic things here, like your cholesterol makes sense, right? They're going to check your HDL, LDL, VLDL, and triglycerides. And they're going to tell you, what's good and bad. So when they're talking to to us, you know, talking to the patient, what do those terms mean? What cuz we're kind of taught cholesterol is this bad thing, right? right. Oh, you got cholesterol. Ah, oh, so bad. But then you you read a book and you realize, wait a minute, I can't make hormones without cholesterol. I can't right. even take a poop without cholesterol. So yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. What are we getting in that basic lipid panel?
0: Yeah, it's, it is one of those mixed message things. And I I think where it comes from is in an effort, especially you go back like, you know, 30 or 40 years ago in an effort to try and make something that's complicated, simple, they kind of went a little too far towards simple. And so it was cholesterol bad, right? Well, as you said, you know all of your steroid hormones the name steroid comes from sterol they're made from cholesterol so is your vitamin d um a whole bunch of things are made from cholesterol that we need to keep running right so cholesterol isn't bad it's just one of those things in our body it's got lots of little subfamilies, and either through diet or genetics or time or some combination of those the subfamilies can either become more healthy or less healthy. That's kind of how I talk to patients about it. Now, there um it's not that long ago in you know, certainly my lifetime, where they used to just report total cholesterol. Actually, that's all the number you got, right? And then they got these better panels where they did HDL, total cholesterol, and then LDL, and then triglycerides. So that was kind of your basic panel. So you got a total number and then you got hdl which is said, so, well that's probably the good one the h1 and then ldl well, that's the bad one right and then triglycerides well those mean something else now as you mentioned in the intro you know they do these studies and you know even i remember 30 some years ago you know studies coming out saying look over half the people that have sudden heart attacks have totally normal cholesterol like everything looks good on their labs So there has to be a deeper level. And so your standard panel that that we normally see in primary care is that basic panel. It's total, and then the HDL uh, family, the LDL family, and then triglycerides. And then um, often along with that, they'll look at your blood sugar, like a hemoglobin A1C, because now we at least uh, realize those are all connected to one another, right? But the problem, as you as you said, with even the newer studies now that pretty much say what they said for the last 30 years, there's a lot of heart disease we don't catch with that panel, obviously, right. So there must be like a deeper layer of chemistry with these cholesterol molecules, and there must be something where not all HDL is as good as others and not all LDL is as bad as others. Okay. Which does be, that's the truth actually. So then, you know, that leads us to these more modern sorts of, uh, you know, uh, lab protocols that we can run. But as you know, you and I talked off air, they're not run that often. Uh, and, and so I think what we're going to talk about today is we've got a lot better science. We've got a lot better technology to measure this stuff. Why don't we look at this deeper level of chemistry and maybe help more people not have these problems in the future.
1: No, and and that makes sense. So you kind of mentioned something, and I kind of said it a little bit earlier too, is, is there, this is a complicated kind of question here, right? It's like, is there a such thing as a, when they run that lipid panel, like, hey, your HDL is 60, this is good cholesterol, LDL is 98, that's bad cholesterol, right? But is it that simple? Right. You know, so can we even say this is a good and bad cholesterol? Or can we just say, hey, this is what your values mean, but I need to look deeper. Right. So, yeah. you know, I guess a better question is, should we stop saying that? Should we stop should yeah. we Stop <laughs> yeah. saying good and bad?
0: Good and bad. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I do. Th- I do think part of it, you know, is maybe PR and people, you know, they want a really quick way to tell a patient, good bad right mm-hmm. but as we know like 50 percent of the time it doesn't predict anything about heart disease right so yes in in my opinion we need to look deeper because we have the technology to look deeper at a much better you know level now I will say just there there is a re- he's passed away now but there's a researcher named Fredrickson who originally said they knew about this, but we didn't have the lab technology to figure all this out that we know now. And this Dr. Fredrickson and his whole team, that was their whole life's work, was cholesterol and getting this deeper level. Mm -hmm. And even back, you know, he started researching the 50s and 60s and started publishing in the 70s and 80s, came up with something that he called the Fredrickson's phenotypes and those were the next way to get to like deeper levels right so like even you know even back when you took your clinical board reviews the the old man who talked about your clinical board reviews had frederickson phenotypes in there and saying some of these technologies well what happened then is like everything with laboratory stuff we get better equipment we get better ways to look at things now we do uh you know nuclear tests nmrs and vaps and all these good things well, the, the other end of the story now in modern times is we can actually see that what we called LDL, quote unquote, on your, you know, your good cholesterol number, that divides up into a whole bunch of other things, okay? So LDL is not all one thing. There's different mm-hmm. sizes, there's different inflammatory capabilities, same with HDL. It's not all, you know, some of it's better good than other, right? So these more modern tests basically take, and they take... They take you down to the next level, and so the first thing is, if you look at a, a acronym and it just says LDL or total LDL, or you get a newer test that says LDLP, what the P means is they actually counted the number of particles. Okay, and you think, well, I got a number on my old fashioned LDL, you know, one hundred and four or whatever. It with these modern tests with the better technology we have you actually get the particle numbers and so i would tell patients it's sort of like if you have a you know glass jar like a big glass you know gallon jar and you pour a bunch of marbles into it you can guess if you've done that enough roughly a gallon jar is going to hold a hundred marbles right well what if the marbles are of different sizes I'm still going to call it a gallon jar. And that's the old fashioned testing. That's going to be, you know, 100 or 150, whatever. If I take all of those out and count them, it might be 92. It might be 190, you know, and they all mm-hmm. fit in that gallon jar. So it's really a different, it's like a whole different world of testing. So if your test reads with a P after LDL, it means they actually counted the particles either with modern times we ver- vertical auto-profile or, or an NMR. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter to the patient because it's the lab's choice what tech they use. But the important part about that is then when they count the particles, then they'll fractionate them and they'll say, this is the percent that are large, uh, medium, and small. Okay. This is where the not all LDL is as bad as other LDL comes from, Right so if I've actually counted the particles so I got LDLP, then I go in and I look and I you know win the genetic lottery and then I've got you know mostly large LDLs those are least likely to create trouble for me but what if I don't win the genetic lottery or or maybe my diet or other things going on I will have a lot of small ones and the small ones are super inflammatory and they're associated with like literally beating up the insides of your blood vessels. So they're mm-hmm. not so good for you, right? right? Same with HDL. If it's a total HDL or HDLC, that's the old-fashioned kind, just sort of how much how big is the bucket? HDLP is literally the particle size of HDL, and they'll subfractionate those as well. So that I think it's important because it's the same name. Mm-hmm. But it's not the same product coming out. So people will say, Well, I got HDL done. Well, it's like, yes, you got like the 19, you know, 79 version of the lipid panel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we can do the, you know, 2020 version of the lipid panel. It's a same names, different, different right. outcome. And I think what's important is, you know, and there's tons of other little, you know, things on these panels, but then we can actually look and say, Oh. There's, you know, this person's much less likely to have that amount of LDL be a problem. This person, they're probably one of those 50% of people who might get in trouble. So mm-hmm. then we can intervene. And I, no. I think that's, that's where, that's where it makes our job better as doctors, but then the patient's safer.
1: Now, something you mentioned, and we're gonna get into these more detail here. And I'm we're kinda we're gonna do a little round robin. I'm gonna throw a lab out to you and say, what does this mean? Right. We're gonna get to that. That's gonna be the fun part, right? But for patients, right? Now this is the part where Okay, if you tell me, hey, I've got an LDLP, this particle size, right? And you're going to tell me that, hey, I got 2,100 for my particle size. That means I got a bunch of little particles, right? And so, but if I have a smaller number, or if you kind of do that fractionally, saying, hey, these are bigger particles. Now, most people assume that a bigger particle is worse, right? Like, wait, it's big, it's in there. Can't that cause like a blockage or something like that? Why shouldn't the smaller ones be good? Like, how does that make sense to have a, you know, like smaller is worse, right?
0: So, and and the very first time, like when we were transitioning from the Fredrickson technology over to NMRs and things, the very first time I heard about small versus large particle, I actually thought the same thing, just logically, oh, big must be bad, right? Right. So one way, or you know, back in the day when they were trying to teach all of us doctors how to sort this out is that think of it like this like a large fluffy ldl particle sounds bad but it's actually more stable and so it will go by and it doesn't really want to interact with your blood vessel walls whereas the little particles are unstable and that means that they have more reactive oxygen more you know free electrons more reactive oxygen damage and they actually like to go and kind of stick because they're little like sort of like buckshot right Mm -hmm. so and that actually if you if you take it the next step and make it you know a, a little less uh round floor what really happens is that you you have this really elegant system in your body where HDL and other factors go around and what I say is they organize the LDL so LDL is made by your liver it goes out and over time, then it gets organized into, uh, you know, from, from these free small parts that have a lot of reactive oxygen damaging stuff to them. And then the HDL can come around and trade lipids. So it gets bigger and more stable. So you actually want bigger and more stable when it comes to LDL. And so like, in when I said you lose a genetic lottery, maybe there are people whose genes don't allow that transfer very quickly. Okay. So, and sometimes just your diet is really inflammatory or maybe, you know, there's other issues. But that's, if you if you do get this type of test, if they make comment on LDL, they probably will at least say, oh, well, most of yours are the large non-damaging kind or, oh, most of yours are the small damaging kind. We need to work on that, right? So right. that's kind of the small versus large when it comes to LDL anyway. And it's about how organized they are. And, and another thing, you know, so we, we say HDL is good and it, to degree it is, there's more than one kind of HDL. There's one HDL though, the, I, I always think of it as the best HDL, this is the do-gooder sort of HDL. It roams through your body and it trades inflammatory fats for non-inflammatory fats. Okay. Which is really cool. Well, if those are real active, then you tend to have LDL that are stable and not inflamed. If those really do good sort of HDLs are very inactive, then you tend to have much more inflammatory fat activity and that leads to cardiovascular disease. So it, one of many things, of course. But yeah, that's 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 as simple as that story gets.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. And we're gonna get deeper into that as we go forward. Yeah. Now, one of the things that um It's kind of elusive to that original thing about that 50% of people with the normal cholesterol levels. Let's say you're a guy or girl, you come in, it's like, hey, my cholesterol has been good my whole life. I've never had an issue. And what, what, you know, I guess the better question to ask is like, hey, is this, if you have normal cholesterol, what should trigger your doctor to say, hey, I want to look a little bit deeper. I want to look at this, just besides the numbers, right? Because we know that the, the facts state that this can happen. But should we be looking at their... You know, their lifestyle should be looking at their family history. I mean, I guess a better way to ask that question is we have a patient, they've had normal cholesterol since you've been seeing them over a period of years, and you've never run this deeper look. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Should you? Or is there kind of you like know, a I- little trigger point to say, yes, I I need to run this just to get the warm and fuzzy kind of feel? Right.
0: Right. Well, yeah. I think you kind of, like we do with everything else, You you kind of have to stratify it the way i've always looked at it and and i think more so now that we have newer technology and better labs is if i have anybody who has a family history of cardiovascular disease at all but especially if they have a big family history or a young family history you know where you know gee my dad and my grandpa both had heart attacks at 55 or 50 or whatever that person it's not a debate like they need the best well-rounded look into their cholesterol and their metabolism we can do right if somebody's otherwise healthy they don't have a family history their diet and lifestyle really are probably as healthy as they can be i'm not really going to be too worried about that person until they get maybe past 45 50 certainly into their 50s because it's at that point where, you know, once you crest, people do have heart attacks younger, certainly, but, you know, once you get past 50 men or women, the stats just rise, you know, really, really steep. So I think as part of just health maintenance and a baseline, I think either with family history or a long history of maybe a lot of damaging things like your diet's really you maybe you've been healthy but your diet has been horrible you know for 40 years or you you know you just had maybe other things or, or toxic exposures or whatever I, I think yeah we, we'll click you in earlier but every human probably between 50 and 60 I think you know if it's me that's what I get done on myself I want to know as much as I can because then there's things some of this we can help with diet some of this we might help with, uh, you know, depuration and detoxification. Some of it we might do all sorts of stuff with. But if all we have is just a big old, uh, you know, rough number, we don't really know much from that. <laughs>
1: it's true. It's true. Yeah. Okay. Indeed, yeah. indeed. So uh, so now we've kind of established that, hey, these are important, right? We know the risk. there is a risk there potentially beyond these normal labs, right? And so now your doc's like, hey, I'm going to run this panel, make sure you fast it. And that's important, right? Because I've obviously, want the patient to be fasted, and so which kind of common sense, right? Because you you make cholesterol when you eat. Fun fact: When I was a young buck in the Navy, I was <laughs> horrible at fasting for labs. Horrible. I was like, I can't, I can't go that long without eating. Is n- at nine o'clock in the morning. What's wrong with these people, right? And so I would not do my last fasted, and all I never had a spike in anything. much everything was normal. they were like, oh my god, your le- your levels great. I'm like, yeah, I fasted wink, wink, right? And and so there are going to be some people out there who can show up and eat a burger and show up and have normal cholesterol, right? And there's some people that's like, they look at an almond and it's like, oh my God, you're triglycerides through the roof, right? But in general, we want to make sure our patients are fasted just so we get that quick look. But (laughs) people who are like that, again, this is kind of cool for me too. It's like, what happens when someone, they don't fast and their their levels are still normal? Are they just like, you got the best cholesterol ever, ever? Or is it just... Well,
0: rant. yeah, and that's a good example. Like you know, you or someone like you who has that history of <laughs> I can do whatever I want. Before uh, I was a
1: doctor, by the way, yeah, I, I would never yeah. do that now.
0: Patients, yeah, listening. but <laughs> so I think there's a couple things, and and uh, I I do I will say because I've heard this, and you can read this in the literature the the family practice community, primary care community, and in, in the bigger medicine, allopathic medicine there's a big push to have non-fasting cholesterol now they're not doing these tests we're talking about Mm -hmm. uh they're they're basically just looking you know at total cholesterol and hdl ldl and and the reason for that is you know partly they've done some statistics or whatever but the other side of it is what's their treatment going to be they're going to give you a handout about diet that you're probably not going to read and they're going to give you a statin right so so their point is well if i'm going to give you a statin if it's high why would I care right well here's the uh, now that we have people saying should I fast Mm -hmm. what I will tell them is look at the old tests like you're doing that you've done your whole life it's sort of like you know a a 1979 you know Buick LeSabre or something it's going to get around it's not too efficient but it looks like a car you're paying for a brand new Lexus here. This is the version of this lab you got now. You don't want to throw anything off. You want you want this to be the product of just your liver and your metabolism overnight or however long you fast. And you, you want these to be clean numbers because we're not just going to use this to say you need a statin or not. We're going to use this to say wow, you you we need to have you exercise more. We need to have you control your blood sugar more or, or whatever you know it is. Uh, and so, why waste? Because you know these tests are more expensive too. Why, why get a Lexus and then just wreck it right away? Which is what you know not fasting for one of these labs would be like. Um, right. Whereas you you know your old saber you might back into some and not care. Uh, so 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 it's sort of a different world. Like and mm-hmm. and you got to remember that most of primary care now some cardiologists do these labs right, but most primary care is still doing the old testing and so they don't care as much. So yes, please, if you're going to spend money on this type of testing, you want to be fasted. And absolutely, you know, and absolutely. just cause it, it literally then is like at my baseline, what is my liver and what does my whole body's metabolism actually do? Not what did I just eat? Right. right. I mean, I don't know if you ever seen it, but I had a lady one time and she, she got her lipids done and I looked at him and I was like, did you eat before you did these? And she says, no, 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 I didn't eat. I said, did you just drink water, or did you have anything to drink? And so, well, I had some tea. I said, did you put anything in the tea? And she said, well, I put honey in the tea. And I said, well, that's not fasting. Then yeah, her triglycerides ate. were like 800, you know? Yeah, yeah. You just <laughs> she got this big sugar load right mm. before she got her labs drink.
1: So, Yeah, that's, just, that's the just, hard part.
0: Just fast, folks. I know. It's yeah, it's it is. It is. Yeah, exactly. Just fast, right? I know that
1: was a long time ago. That was in the you know. Mm-hmm. Long, I would never do that now. And, and again, so you you hit on something um, that I definitely want to ask you about. And this may just be our you know an opinion question here if we have all this information and it's out there this is not a secret it's not hidden behind some vault in some you know secret medical school in Vienna right we all know this right if and we know the risk factors i'm going to keep harping on that so many issues happen with normal cholesterol levels why isn't this standard of care the first time i see you i should run this right just knowing what we know is it i guess the question is why do you think we don't do that as a medical community
0: you know i i think well I'm going to answer very, you know, this is my opinion, observing medicine for a very long time, especially the North American medical model loves certain types of statistics because it helps them only deliver the minimal amount of care to treat the most people, okay? And you can kind of see if you have a cap model of finance and all that, that's in your favor, right? So if you go and you say, well, why why isn't family practice all running this, so to speak? They'll say, well, look at the stats. You know, it's like, every, number one, treatment's not going to change. Number two, uh, you know, they massage the numbers and their stats say, well, our old test works just fine, right? And kind of, you know, okay, if you look at it from that point of view, okay, you that's a systemic issue to control costs. That's all it is, really. If you look at it from our point of view and really anybody like you take any doctor, no matter what kind they are, if they're trying to look at, well, how can I help this person on all fronts possible? And that means not, not just if they need a drug, great, but not just drugs, but like, are they sleeping enough? Are they moving their body and exercising? Is, is their blood sugar control properly? Is there other metabolism there? Do they have other reasons for inflammation? and you know how are their genetics impacting because a lot of genetics get involved in this and a lot of them are silent like you don't see it till you do these tests if you're thinking about that and you're a doctor with a thinking cap on you say well i would like all the data i could to let me look at those areas right whereas if i just want to say good bad too much bad here's the statin eh you know and, and yeah. and you know, it's not, you know, these are well-meaning people, but it's just not, in my mind, it's not the best medicine, but it makes sense for the system. Mm-hmm. I, I'll stop there. You can make as much as you want of the word system as you want
1: to. It's a very there's a really safe answer you just yeah give. I can interpret that a whole yeah, lot that- of different ways exactly like but just follow the yeah. pharmacy just, trail think then. about follow, the system. follow the trail <laughs> All right. so what I want to do now is you know is talk about these labs you know these these detailed labs lipoprotein lipoprotein lipo lipro- mm-hmm. We call it fiber fractional labs, uh, NMR with the nuclear magnetic resonance testing, all that great stuff, VAPs. But you, for the most part, you're going to get some numbers spat out at you, right? And I, I want to take this time. The question is going to be, what do these lab values mean? But more so to the patient, right? Because they're going to get right. it and the doctor is going to say, here's your number, da, 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 here it is. But right. I want to kind of you know, give the patient some education on what does that actually mean for you, the person looking at the labs, worried about their long-term risk, right? We already talked about the LDLP, the particle size a little bit about the hdlp so now this is the round robin here right this is the fun part here so to me at least right so i'm just going to go down my list here right and put my thinking cap on here so let's start since we're on the ldl kind of side of things let's talk about oxidized ldl or ox ldl
0: yeah so this is uh an area where we've been able to test oxidized ldl for quite a while but i think accurately maybe more in the last 15 years let's say one of the things when I was talking about not all LDL is as bad right as other LDL the smaller you get with the particle size the more likely there is unorganized or inflammatory fat in there but what oxidized LDL is it takes the whole family and it says based on you know what we know about quote unquote normal particles is this person's oxidation level higher than average or or lower than average or is it it average what that means is regardless of the size but probably more likely in the smaller particles you have little uh the the LDL that's oxidized are like little packets of fire running around it's inflammation And it's because the the lipids are oxidized for usually because hdl hasn't done its job or something or you've got toxicities or other things the biggest problem is the higher the oxidation level is the more it's going to run into the side of your blood vessels blood vessel has a tissue response and then you start to make plaque which is what we don't want to do right now there are, you know, it's a couple people papers that like kind of throw shade on oxidized LDL, like we shouldn't do it and it's meaningless. But if you look at it in the context of the rest of this test, it's incredibly helpful because here's the thing, and the papers that write, you know, throw shade on it are, are basically saying, well, no one's going to do lifestyle medicine, right? So oxidized LDL is one of the quickest things you can start to turn around in the average person because that's largely affected by uh how inflammatory your diet is uh if you're moving your body especially your big skeletal muscle around you know so movement working out whatever you you need to do also your uh status of your nutrients in your body so that's diet related but you might need extra certain things and then also stuff in the environment so sometimes oxidized LDL will go up if you've had toxic exposures or something you know so What I will tell patients is, look, you know, this, this test, and it's usually part of these panels. Let's look at it as a baseline and let's do the simple things first. Let's get you hydrated. Let's get you moving more. Uh, let's check your diet out, all those good things. And then if it doesn't come down, then let's look a little deeper and see, have you had toxic exposures? Have you, uh, you know, had maybe some genetic thing, maybe other stuff like that. So oxidized LDL even before these tests were super popular it we would get it as like a little bit deeper look and I, I really think it's worth um in my mind it's one of the first things that can change with diet and lifestyle and that's why this you know kind of the system overlooks it because you're the most you're going to get there is a handout in the system right yeah exactly
1: <laughs> i my and it's my wrong i when i Spent much time in the military, man. I always think of my OXLDL as, as landmines. They're active mines. Yep. They're active, yep. right? And it's just like, you know what? they, Since they're active, <laughs> they got a higher risk of causing damage here. But be, like you said, because they're active, you can find them. Right. right? And if you have a minesweeper or some kind of like mine disposal unit, you can actually get rid of them versus something that's already kind of already kind of like it's a missile that's launched, right? It's right, right. there. Is You know it's dangerous. You can get it. You can attack it. You see it. Go after it. Low-hanging fruit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one, which of similar but not so similar is lp pla2
0: yeah so normally when when you see lp on these tests it's lipoprotein so that's fat with a kind of a protein you think of it like a skeleton holding it together right so the the pl or pla2 that's a phospholipase that's an that's an enzyme activation test basically and what that tries to tell you is that enzyme is activated at a higher level when you're basically when you're having more inflammation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you've got oxidized LDL sort of at the end of the trail, like the landmines. The phospholipase A2 is up at the beginning of the inflammatory cascade. And so that's sort of like, You know the people who are going to go put the landmines out right Mm -hmm. it's literally telling you we need some inflammation for whatever reason now people say why why we even have that if it's bad well it's, it's not always bad if you didn't have that enzyme system and you got sick you would never have an immune response right but we don't want to have it when we don't need it and people who are are inflamed for different reasons people with a lot of extra cholesterol they don't need that's just part of that inflammatory cascade that keeps going and just, you know, creating fires everywhere. Gotcha. Talking. Gotcha.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Now the next one staying with the lipoproteins is LP little a
0: yes. So lipoprotein, uh, a or small a or little a, whatever you want to call it is sort of in the early days before these sort of tests we have now were available. It was one of the subfractions that they found, and really the first research was all about if I do cardiac stent procedure, you know, where they go in your coronary arteries are plugged up, so they put a stent in, open it up. Great. One problem with those is they'll they'll fill back up again, right? Mm-hmm. So what they found was this one little subfraction that they could isolate, LP little A. If it was higher, you had more likelihood of your stent re you know re-occluding going back right and so then they worked backward from that and said well that's obviously really a bad thing uh and they had cutoffs for it you know that were you know this is good lp little a and if it gets up to here you're you're for sure going to occlude and imagine if you didn't have stents and you had a high lp little a you're probably already occluding somewhere you know small vessels in your heart or your kidneys or your brain or something so the higher that number is, the more it's associated with again the inflammatory process that causes the uh, the little fires to start and keeps them going. Okay, so it it was literally something that they were able to isolate, kind of in that time period between Fredrickson, who did electrophoresis, which is really old tech, uh, but came up with really good data, and then NMRs and VAPS, which is what we have now. They LP little a was kind of the first bad guy they found, I think.
1: Hey, everyone, thanks for checking out part one of this episode of the Optimization Academy. For more information on Dr. Paul Anderson, check out the links in the episode description. And don't forget to like and subscribe and share this episode.